Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Good morning, everyone. I'm Linda Crater on Military Network Radio, and today I'm joined by our co-host, Jason McNamara. We have a terrific program for you today. We are going to address the entire issue of strong bodies and strong minds. I think we know that those in the military are often at the peak condition that they possibly can achieve at their ages. And when they come back, they may not be able to do exactly what they did before. But at every single level, fitness does help to keep the mind and everything else going in a much more positive manner and lets them not miss their former fitness level, even if you may now need new options. No question, getting up and going takes guts, but it's worth it at any level to feel stronger, fit, and healthier. We're going to go along a continuum today, and we're starting off our program with Kirk Bauer, the Executive Director of Disabled Sports USA, and we are so glad to have you on the program, Kirk. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be on. Wonderful. Why don't we start with your story and how you came to found DSUSA? Well, my story is like thousands of others that we've served uh, from the military uh, in, in our sports rehabilitation programs. And um, I was uh, a pretty active teenager and uh, uh, went in the Army in 1968 during the middle of the Vietnam War. And um, I ended up in the infantry in, in South Vietnam. And um, one evening uh, during an ambush, uh, we got hit, and uh, I got hit with a grenade and, and ended up losing my leg uh, above the knee uh, from that injury. And uh, I went from being a very active person, obviously active in, in Vietnam, uh, carrying backpacks and humping all day long, uh, to lying flat on my back. And uh, with a lot of, uh, I had seven operations, uh, why they tried to put me back together again over a six-month period. And it was a pretty demoralizing uh, experience. And um, finally, a group of uh, young uh, warriors uh, from Vietnam uh, came to my bedside and said, we've just started an organization called Disabled Sports USA, and uh, we want to get you active again. And this organization was started by 10th Mountain Division, uh, World War II veterans, which were the skiing division mm-hmm. of World War II. And so they, we had the first uh, sport they taught was skiing. And I learned how to ski on one leg, and it was it was the biggest high in the world to go from being in the hospital and living in a slow-motion world, uh, having an artificial leg that weighed about 16 pounds to uh, flying down the mountain uh, on one day. <laughs> was just, uh, it was like an absolute transformation. And it's really what helped turn my life around. And um, since that time, that was in 1969, I've been involved with Disabled Sports USA in one, one form or another, 12 years as a volunteer and 32 years uh, going on 33 as a director. You know, I I think that it's so important to regain freedom and independence. And as you said, it it felt like flying. It was fantastic for you. So as you work this, Jason, I know that you have talked with folks who have come back with various limitations, but they didn't let it stop them. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah, we've, we've seen a number of veterans that um, continue to push their own capabilities and their own envelopes, if you will. And I think that's an important character trait for our military veterans is that um, they seek that that edge, right? And I think um, engaging with them on the physical activity front allows them to actually um, continue that edge and continue to evolve. Well, and, and would anyone here, I, I'm going to guess among the three of us, wouldn't we say that if you are able to do more and able to regain some of the things that you used to do, perhaps in a slightly different manner, doesn't that also build confidence and a stronger mental outlook that if you can do this step, you can go on to next steps? Um, there's no question about that. Um, our motto, if I can do this I can do anything really describes that that whole sense of uh, regaining your self-confidence, your self-image, uh, positive self-image and, and being able to get back into into life again. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, your listeners need to understand that when some of these young men and women are hit uh, either in Iraq or Afghanistan, we uh, disabled sports USA. When the war in Iraq was declared, started Warfighter Sports, which is a sports rehabilitation program. And the goal was to provide free services uh, at a critical stage when they were going through rehabilitation so that they could realize that they could lead an active life. And, you know, some of the IEDs that these young men and women are being hit with, I have never seen in my 45 years working in disability sport, never seen such severe injuries. And so they're really down. And uh, what they need is something that gives them hope something that regain, helps them regain their confidence, their fitness, and lets them know that they can still be active. And we uh, are teaching now 30 different sports. And often they can, because of the adaptive equipment that's available and the trained instructors, those are two very important elements, mm-hmm. so that they can have a successful experience, they can learn how to do a, the basics of a sport in one day. They can be skiing down the mountain in one day. They can be biking without falling. They can be on a kayak. Uh, water skiing, it's, a, it's an amazing experience in, in one day to, to be able to feel that freedom again. You know, Kirk, when you, this has been going since 2003. So you came in at the early end of these most recent conflicts. How were you so aware that warfighter sports would really hit a key note uh-huh. with those returning? Well, first of all, we, we've served civilian and military since 1972, but in 67 mm-hmm. to 72, we served nothing but uh, Vietnam veterans. And so we saw uh, the, the transformation that went on with these young uh, uh, men and women when they came back injured. And um, and we know, uh, and they know, and they tell us, that, you know, uh, how great this uh, has been as part of the rehabilitation. I think it's really important to realize also uh, it's not just offering the sport, but it's also the timing. Uh, when you're down and you've you got nothing to do but lay in your bed and deal with operations and doctors and appointments and infections and pain, um, you know, it can be a very demoralizing experience. So the goal here is to you know, intervene at the earliest possible moment so that uh, these young men and women can realize and get an experience that's positive. And we have been able to, I mean, I remember one double-leg amputee exactly 60 days after his injury. He was literally blown up by an IED. Mm. He was on the ski slopes. 60 days. days. Now, 60 days, two months. Wow. And uh, and that's the kind of early intervention when it's really critical that they, you know, get a positive experience, realize they can be active. And he was skiing down the mountain 60 days after his injury. Fantastic. Hey, Kirk, 
I, I want to unpack that a little bit. Um, you know, I think, especially being a veteran, we can relate to feeling down, right? Especially if, if some of us have um, severe mental disorders or we're, we're carrying on um, some behavioral problems because of the transition. How do you interact with the veteran that is down? They are feeling bad about themselves. Um, they're obviously struggling with the transition. Um, you know, what's your approach to that? Because I would imagine that they're pretty sensitive to talking with anybody, let alone um, this idea of having to step way out of their comfort zone now that they've maybe lost a limb or they've lost functionality. How do you, how do you approach that? Well, there's a number of uh, things we do, Jason, that are very important. One of them is, you know, you don't come at them uh, in a real strong, you know, you got to get up and do this. Uh, we, you know, we go in, we talk to them. You know, you first you've got to earn their trust. Ask how they are. Uh, get to meet them. Sometimes you have to meet two or three times before you even talk about, you know, doing something. And uh, and then uh, so part of it is gaining their trust and letting them know that you're there to help. That's all. And uh, the other is to talk about the programs too. you know, saying, look, at, you may not be thinking about this right now. You may not be ready for it. But, you know, if and when you are. You know we're here, and uh, and and you have to be there when they're ready. Uh, mm -hmm. the re you know we can do sports year round now because we're doing thirty different sports, so it doesn't matter what season of the year it is. We can get them involved in some sport. The other is um, the uh, supportive environment. Uh, sometimes these guys feel like freaks, literally. I mean, you know they 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 look different. They know that they feel self conscious. We 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 teach in a group, a lot mostly veterans in in the, in the initial stage, so that they feel comfortable around other veterans. And a really important aspect is the mentoring. We always have experienced veterans with disabilities that are at these uh, teaching activities, so that the warrior can see right away that uh, that they they can do the activity. They don't have to be told or or preached or anything else. Um, and that's very important. And the, and the other aspect is we always include the, a family member because uh, a lot of times when a person's feeling nervous about something, they want to have somebody they're familiar with with them. And so the cost of the family member coming and actually learning the sport with the wounded warrior or, you know, at the same time, but maybe in separate classes is very, very important because, A, it gives that person a sense of security and, 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 and familiarity, and, B, it, it also brings the families together. Um we also have found, and, and, you know, exercise, physical extraneous exercise does help with the, um, with those who are facing post-traumatic stress disorder. 60% of our guys have PTSD. And so we know that they're going to be dealing with that. We, our instructors are trained in that. They're trained in dealing with someone with traumatic brain injury so that they know how to handle that kind of situation. So you can't come on real hard. You've got to come on. You know, we're here to help. We're here when you when you need us. Let us know, and then you have to keep touching bases with them uh, while they're uh, recovering. You know, Kirk, I've been on groups where the spouses or the family member is along, and do you find that the uh, family members support or coddle their veteran when they're facing doing something new like this? Well, I think uh, sometimes both. Mm -hmm. um, and um, um, uh, but you've got to remember that when the warrior is injured, it does not just affect the warrior; it affects the entire family, whether that's a right. spouse or a parent or a brother and sister. And so, uh, by bringing a family member along, 
you're helping to, uh, you know, both educate the family member about the possibilities, but also helping with the healing process. We most of the time when a person is learning, they don't learn with their spouse. The spouses or the family members learn separately so that they are with an instructor. They're getting individualized instruction, but it's just them and, and the warrior that, are, that is learning. So that's perfect. One- we'll hold that thought and we'll go on break. Yes. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, advice and hard lessons learned these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you your business and others so join us for paying it forward with josephine Girasi wednesday mornings at 10 a.m 9 a.m central on toginet.com everybody everybody welcome to toginet cutting edge radio goals objectives business and action plans how important are they for me to manage Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back. You're listening to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater with co-host Jason McNamara. Our guest, Kirk Bauer, is here, Executive Director of Disabled Sports USA. And, Kirk, you're going to tell us more about some of the findings that you are discovering through working with Wounded Warriors, their families, and with Disabled Sports USA. Well, uh, yes, Linda, the, um, the great thing about the program, you know, we a lot of times uh, you know, somebody says, oh, this is great for you, but, but you don't have any empirical data that will support that. We, we know anecdotally, we've known for years that, that these programs are very effective. They get people back into life. They, they make them more fit and healthier and more active. Uh, but, um, we decided to, uh, commission an independent fulling firm, uh, Harris Interactive out of New York. And, um, uh, they actually do, they do a lot of polling of people with disabilities and they did a polling of our, Participants, including our wounded warriors, and um, and civilian participants, against those 
uh, people with disabilities of working age who uh, were not as active. And um, what they found was quite uh, impressive. Um, the employment rate for generally for, for our active disabled participants was 100% higher than for uh, working age people with disabilities in general. Uh, mm -hmm. Their fitness levels were double. Uh, their physical activity levels, they were, they were twice as likely to be physically active. Uh, their socialization, they felt that the sports program helped them uh, reintegrate and socialize uh, with their families and with, uh, with the community in general. Uh, their, their, uh, their interaction with their families. Uh, their promotion at their job, they felt sports helped them get promotions at the job at a higher uh, rate. It was amazing how much higher they were performing because of their involvement in the sports program. So we know uh, it works. One of the biggest indicators, 34 questions were asked, but one of the biggest indicators was, you know, do you look forward to the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. I call that hope. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't have hope, you're not going to go anywhere and you're going to really get depressed. And that's when you start, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, abusing drugs, uh, you, you know, and substances and what have you, and uh, becoming isolated. And uh, they were twice as likely to express a feeling of looking forward to the, the rest of their lives. So these sports programs really do have an effect in a positive way. Very interesting. Um, you know, Kirk, let's talk a little bit about how a veteran might actually engage with you all or how you might engage with them, right? So um, I let's play through this for a minute. So I become disabled for a number of different reasons. And uh, how do I reach out and engage with, with your organization? And how, how do you try to reach out and touch them halfway as well? Well, I think that's a critical question, uh, Jason, because, you know, if we can't find them, we can't serve them. And if they mm -hmm. can't find us, they, they don't benefit. That's right. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the um, strengths of Disabled Sports USA and the Warfighter Sports Rehab Program, which is the military program we run, uh, is that um, we actually are a network of 118 chapters that are operating in 42 states uh, that offer local programming in sports and recreation. And so um, if you look at how, the, how this happens, when the warrior is injured, they end up going to one of the major me military medical centers. Everyone, mm -hmm. of course, has heard of Walter Reed. Maybe not so many have heard of Brook Army Medical Center and the Center for the Intrepid or the Naval Medical Center in San Diego uh, or some of the uh, other uh, hospitals on base like Camp Lejeune, uh, uh, it has a, a major hospital. And so we actually have staff and we have chapters that visit uh, these young men and women uh, early on that uh, are able to make personal contact with them and work with the therapist to find out when they're ready. But in addition to that, and once they get better, they're either going to go back into active duty or they're going to go you know, back to their community and retire from the military. And in that case, we have to reach them in the local community. And that's where the chapters become so valuable because they can – uh, reach out to them uh, in uh, you know all across the country. We're now working with over a hundred VA hospitals, Veterans Administration hospitals, and warrior transition units like Fort Bragg, uh, Fort Campbell, uh, some of the other ones that are um, in the community uh, where we can reach these warriors and get them involved in, in the sports and recreation program. We also have a program that you know if someone is really remote. I mean, uh, we have we're serving one gentleman with a visual impairment down in some town I've never heard of in Mississippi, we actually have funds to actually get them either to our events, uh, covering all the transportation and what have you, or get them instruction in, in their region uh, with, you know, training the people to, to, to teach the adaptation. So we try to provide as much flexibility as possible. But the really important thing is that we be able to reach them and they be able to reach us in their own communities. 
Do you find that as you reach them earlier in the stages, that you're able to bring them along and perhaps avoid some of the up-downs? I think the most draining part about a recovery is that it's seldom linear, and it's up and down and up and down. Can you help to avoid that by, as you said, bringing hope to them and also showing them that life going forward still has bright spots? Um, yes, but, uh, you know, it's important to remember that no matter what, uh, this is, you know, when you lose three limbs right. in an explosion, uh, you know, what you see the three limbs missing, but what you don't realize is that person is pr- likely to have traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, have, they'll have arterial uh, damage. They'll have orthopedic damage internally. Uh, they have infections. You know, there's a lot of really uh, severe medical conditions that require, you know, a long time to uh, heal and recover. And so that itself is a very, um, you know, it, it really gets to the person. So we expect someone is going to have highs and lows and they're going to, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be struggling sometimes and then sometimes they're going to uh, be able to feel like they're, they're starting to, to, to break out of it. That's normal and that is expected and we, and, and we know right. that's going to go on. But we can shorten that period and we can make that period less severe by getting them involved in the sports program. We know that and once they get involved, they, they know that. I, I, I can tell you one story about a young colonel actually that uh, was shot in the face and uh, by a sniper and his face was was very disfigured. Uh, they had to rebuild part of his skull and his jaw and everything. And uh, he felt very self-conscious. And he said one of the best therapy was once he learned how to play golf through our adaptive golf program, through the Warfighter Sports Adaptive Golf Program, he could go out on the golf course, uh, maybe just with one person he knew, and they could just go out, have be out in the fresh air, play golf. And he said people weren't looking at him because there wasn't a lot of people around. And that helped him get through that period of self-consciousness and and depression, quite frankly, mm-hmm. uh, and um, and move on. And so these sports can help on uh, in many different ways and on many different levels. The other, of course, is the actual physical e- exercise. It has been shown in independent surveys and independent t- uh, studies that p- people who exercise, it does help to address at least mild to moderate uh, depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, and those who have PTSD tell us all the time that the physical activity helps them to deal with their depression from the PTSD. So the, the physical activity itself will help to mitigate that and to uh, make it a little bit less severe. So the, I think that's amazing, right? I, but I, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about um, how you engage with support staff, right? I think, um, you know, having... This, these chapter networks around the country become very important to reach out and help these veterans through this transition, right? Um, if somebody wants to get involved with your organization and they want to help contribute and they have a skill that they think might be valuable, how do they actually start that process with you all and, and what's that intake look like for them? Well, both for a person with a disability and, and a volunteer that just wants to help, we have training programs to teach them how to become an instructor uh, in a sport or there are other functions within the nonprofit chapters that um, that are necessary to help uh, put on the programs. There's needs for transportation assistance, uh, for uh, you know accounting, for um, uh, re- you know for support to do registrations and general 
support work around the activities. So if you're not a, a skilled instructor, you can still get involved as a volunteer. Disabled Sports USA, amongst its chapters, its 118 chapters, has right now 20,000 volunteers uh, that are involved in one way or another in helping to put on the programs. And uh, many, you know, there's a, there's a number of uh, veterans that have turned around and wanted to become more active in their chapters or with the, the national organization, helping to put on events. And some of them are training and have trained to become uh, ski instructors, scuba instructors, cycling instructors, uh, and, um, and, and they're giving back now. It's the greatest thing in the world to see a fellow veteran uh, they're teaching uh, another veteran um, the sport. And uh, you talk about motivation. There's, there's nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like that uh, circle of life, right? The, the mentee becomes the mentor in such a way, and um, it becomes a cyclic sort of process where everybody is helping each other in some way or form. Yes, I, that happened with me. I, I got so excited about skiing because skiing, you know, and, the, 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 and that's another thing. Some of the activities we do, mountain climbing, skiing, water skiing, uh, are, you know, high-speed, risky kind of activities. And they really love that kind of activity because mm-hmm. it kind of gives them a sense of thrill, but it's a sense of thrill that's in a controlled environment. And, uh, and it, uh, you know, it, uh, it really does uh, – you know, get them excited about doing the sports. And that's the way I was. I became a ski racer, but I also trained for three years after I lost my leg to become a ski instructor. And there was a, we called ourselves the Dirty Dozen. There was about a dozen of us veterans that were all amputees that got uh, certified as professional ski instructors in 1975. We were amongst the first disabled people ever to be certified as ski instructors. And that, I tell you, um, I went on to get a law degree through the Veterans Voc Rehab Program, but I tell people all the time, Becoming a professionally certified ski instructor meant more to me than getting a law degree. It was, it was, it was great. I loved it. You know, Good so perspective. I would turn around and teach it, and that's what we see a lot of the guys and gals doing. They want to turn around and help. That's wonderful. Yeah, I think that's something that's very valuable to folks, and um, you know, we see that a lot in I think other organizations as well, where they're. They're sort of providing that service, and um, or they're getting the service, and then they become the provider of that type of service. So I think that's that's really really wonderful. Um, really quick, is there a website that that um, someone can go to to check you all out if they've never heard about you and they want to do a little bit more research? Yes, uh, disabledsportsusa.org, O-R-G, uh, or warfightersports.org. Warfighter sports being one one word. And um, either one you can get on. The warfighter sports will show you specifically the. Uh, the program for Wounded Warriors. But DisabledSportsUSA.org uh, is the main uh, website for our organization. It, uh, if you plug in your zip code, it'll tell you a chapter that's near you. Uh, there's a sports uh, clubs finder that'll help you find uh, sports activities that are adaptive in nature uh, all over the country. And there's articles. Uh, we publish our magazine uh, three times a year, and the full magazine is on our website. They can read that. They can read the study, the Harris study that we just I just cited. So that's all on our website. Terrific. Well, we're almost going to break. You're listening to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater with co-host Jason McNamara and our guest Kirk Bauer from Disabled Sports USA. We'll be right back. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? 
right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on DougieNet.com. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. I'm Linda Crater with co-host Jason McNamara and our guest Kirk Bauer from Disabled Sports USA. We're also adding a new guest at the moment. This is Danny Farrer, founder of Soldier Fit. And Danny, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you all for having me. I appreciate being on. Well, thanks so much for making the arrangements. Danny is coming off a bicycle track, a, a motorbike track, I should say. And um, Jason? Yeah, thank you. Danny, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, we're coming back from the uh, Desert Arrow War Memorial out in uh, Marcel's, Illinois. And I'm, I know you're going to be out in Chicago. I thought about you when we saw the uh, uh, sign to the city. you got to make your trip out there, man. It was uh, – yeah, I don't think nobody was prepared for the uh, emotional connection that they made when they went out there. They did a real good job with the memorial. Oh, Fantastic. Man. Yeah. Can't wait to check that out. Danny, thanks for joining us today. I know you're sort of um, mobile, and so we just want to get right to it. Um, you know, you started Soldier Fit. Um, tell our listeners what Soldier Fit's about. Um, Soldier Fit is a functional um, fitness facility gym. Two of our gyms, uh, we offer martial arts uh, there. We teach Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, no-gi submission wrestling. Um, but at all three gyms, we offer uh, group classes, which is really our bread and butter. Um, and then we also have a, a full, a fully functional and uh, usable and staffed gym um, where, you know, people can come in and it's more about getting in shape for life um, more than just being totally centered on the aesthetic side of things, which is, you know, how good you could possibly look in a selfie. Right. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, you know, I know you're a warfighter yourself and, um, you know, you and I have had numerous conversations, but um, tell our listeners how you came up with this sort of military-inspired gym atmosphere. How did, how did this idea for Soldier Fit come to you? Well, you know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about it, and uh, it, it, it was so weird because I, when I was doing personal training, and that's what it started off as was personal training, I had one of my clients come back from California, and he'd seen the boot camps on the beach. 
And he was like, you should do boot camps on, you know, you should do boot camps. You'd be perfect for it. And I, no joke, I sat there and argued with this guy for the rest of his training session, which was about an hour, of why boot camps wouldn't work. And now I own the largest uh, boot camp in Maryland. Um, <laughs> what ended up happening was I had uh, started, I went to do a, a train for a fight uh, to work on with issues to my PTS. Um, and I ended up getting my butt whooped the whole fight and coming back and winning by rear naked. And a guy that owned uh, another warfighter, a former Marine, uh, Master Mike Moses, he owned Evolve Academy where I was training. And uh, he said, you won't quit. Would you like to bring your program uh, into my facility? So he opens his doors for me, doesn't charge me a dime for rent. And at the same time, he gave me a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And mm. in the book, the, a line really stuck out to me. It said, uh, you know, if you have to go to work every day to make money, you don't have a business, you have a job. And I had been, I was a fire, career firefighter at the time. And so I'd been working four days a week for, uh, I mean, uh, seven days a week for four years straight. And so I ended up uh, dropping all my one-on-ones, and I got to thinking about how a gym works. And, you know, we call them big box gyms or global gyms, whatever you want to refer to them as. But if you look at it, the bulk of their memberships, people are paying classes, and they get by on a low monthly rate. But they still have all this overhead with electrical equipment like the treadmills, um, the ellipticals, the whole nine yards. And so we kind of sat down and said, well, listen, if, if, if they can get by on a low monthly rate and the bulk of their people do classes, why can't we have a business that's centered around the classes that offer a low monthly rate? And when we did that, we were when I tell you the people laughed in my face, I'm not, I'm not being figurative. I mean, I, they literally laughed in my face. They said, there's no way that that would work because the median price for boot camp over and over here is 119 to, you know, 300 bucks one time a day and it's outside and that's it. If you miss it, sure. you miss it. Sure. Um, you know, so we switched to that and that was January, 2011 and the bottom fell out and it just exploded. Yeah. So, you know, to our listeners here, what makes soldier fit different from a, say a normal gym and what does it mean to be part of the soldier fit family right because you're taking military inspired training and you're infusing it into the community um, that has to have an impact right not just to the veterans but also to the community yeah well i think it ends up i think it affects everybody a little bit differently depending on your role uh whether you're cadre or whether as we call our members troops um but for the troop side of things it's uh you know i tell everybody our even though we're a fitness company our goal is to revitalize the american dream and that's, dude, I was homeless, um, you know, to go from that living in a car to the business did $1.8 million last year, we'll break $2 million this year. To be able to do that proves that the American dream is still alive and well if you're just willing to go out and work for it. And, and we always say that patriotism starts in the community, and the community starts with you and me. So what better way to try to right the ship with the country, so to speak, than get involved in your local community first and making sure that the communities are strong. So... You know, we're we're involved in everything from soup kitchens to Habitat for Humanity to United Way. Um, you know, it's not just coming into the gym to get a workout. And I'm very honest with people. If you want to come in and you don't want to talk to nobody and you don't want to know anybody, we're not the right place for you. And then on the flip side, I guess not really the flip side, kind of simultaneously with that, you know, we're still very much in the infancy. We're a franchise the company. Our goal is to uh, be a national company. So when people come on and they become cadre and they work at Soldier Fitting, you know, I look at them and say, you have a very rare opportunity here, one that perhaps only comes along to people once a lifetime, if ever. And that's, you know, 15, 20 years from now when there's 300 Soldier Fits across the United States. 
they will get to say that I was there at the beginning. I helped to build that. I, I shaped where that uh, company went, and I'm partially responsible for why the company is where it is right now. So it, there's a lot more to it, again, than you would get if you just, you know, not knocking them. They've just been established for, you know, around forever if, you, if they were to go work at a gold or sports health. You, you know, know um, uh, Dan, Dan uh, this is Kirk Bauer. I just wanted to uh, commend you for for your idea and for following through on it. But I think that uh, a few of the things that you're doing are really, uh, you know, key for people to understand. First of all, you're taking a personal interest in, in the veteran and showing that you care by doing, you know, you're not just talking the game. And um, but the but the other is, you know, you are preparing these young men and women for life. Um, uh, though, again, we're getting back to those fitness levels. Uh, they can go out now and do anything. They can go out, go skiing. They can go, you know, scuba diving, sailing, biking because they have that core fitness uh, that you offer. But I think the most important thing you do, and it's something that we do in our programs with Warfighter Sports, is, you know, we have high expectations. We don't accept the fact that somebody has to, uh, you know, uh, take a lower level of activity. And so, you know, um, you know, we, 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 we both encourage and challenge them to uh, to reach their highest level of fitness. Uh, this just in February, I took a, a team of, uh, of amputees, including a double leg amputee up uh, Aconcagua, which is the tallest mountain in South America, at nearly twenty three thousand feet. And uh, one was a double leg amputee. And when he first took put his legs on at, the, at, at Walter Reed Hospital, he he walked one hundred and fifty yards to his berry where he was staying and he had to sit down six times and he, when he got back he had blood in his, his sockets and he was it was the most discouraging thing in the world and now he just finished climbing it's the tallest mountain in the world outside of asia and that's the kind of challenge that we all want to give these young men and women really push them and really allow them to push themselves and you're doing that with your uh, program yeah I, I found that with vets especially because i started my own nonprofit too called uh Communities of Faced, uh, which fights the uh, suicide epidemic facing veterans. But, you know, I found that if you give these guys a mission, um, I think that's the hardest thing they lose in transition is they come out and they don't have a mission. And they and a lot of places, you know, I think you could almost argue that, I hate to say it, almost the majority of places, they don't really provide that mission or that purpose, you know, beyond selling the product or the, you know, or whatever bell or whistle that they have, so the services. So, you know, just like you said, you give that guy a mission, something that gets him up every morning, you know, and a lot of times I think people want to be challenged. I don't think it's, you know, everybody has this notion that people want it easy. I don't think that people want it easy. Mm -hmm. It's that nobody's offering them anything uh, substantial to do. So they're not motivated uh, to push out through it. So I think like what you said which is, a, is awesome and it's what needs to happen, especially in the veteran community. You know, Danny, this is Linda. The um, the weekend, the past weekend, Memorial Day weekend, was very, very tough for a large group of people. I know that in my case, I had two suicide preventions on Saturday and Sunday because these folks, these particular people, did not have hope. They did not have a structured group of peers around them. They did not have what you're talking about in terms of the community of support and giving them hope, plus the expectations. If you raise the bar, people generally reach it and then exceed it, and it's a point of pride and accomplishment. So how do you bring them in their points of low, their low point and bring them up to take on the challenges that you can bring into your gym and into your life? Well, 
you know, I, I am a, you know, I attempted suicide five years ago, mm-hmm. and that's part, part. I ended up spending three days in the uh, in the local hospital psych ward. Um, and for me personally, when I went there, and that was the kind of the wake up call for me. It's like, all right, I got to get help. I got, I have to get something um, to going. But I, what I found is that. And it's it's a it's a delicate cycle, I, you know. Mm-hmm. It will balance. It, it, you know, I don't think I think it's a little bit of art and maybe a little bit of science. But you know, for us, if we're bringing somebody in and we're having a conversation with the vet that wants to get involved in the fitness, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will we will waive um, we'll waive like a, the initiation. We've only hired outside of our gym five times. Uh, most of our people become members. And, in fact, even if you are nationally certified, you still have to become a member, not because we want your money, because the, the, the Muslim membership, I don't see it. That's not the point of it. It's the point of making sure that you have buy-in, make sure that you come up through the system and understand the core values before we put you in charge of the core values. And what I have found is that, and I learned this the hard way, anytime you waive that, for anybody, really, they don't appreciate it. But if you give the veteran enough of a help, say, hey, listen, I'll sponsor your certification. I'll pay for that. But you have to go through the rest of this process. Yeah, that makes sense. And when they see that, okay, you know, you are trying you are trying what you can do to take care of me, but the ball is still in my court. Yep. You know, and I think a lot of times what, what ultimately has to happen is, is that and it's really why we need to change the messaging. Um, and the message out there now um, – is if you seek help, you're weak. And because of that, nobody will seek it. But if you can change the messaging and say, if you seek help, you're strong, but while you're providing that help, you're also providing a chance for them to start taking miniature steps on their own. It's no different than a fitness program where, you know, I'm not going to get you to run in the warm-up until I get you to walk in the warm-up first. That's right, Danny. Hey, Danny. Yeah, hey, Danny, yeah. not to cut you short here, but we're about to go to break. Um, where can folks learn more about you? Soldierfit.com. Okay, and 22needsaface.org as well, correct? Yes, sir. Thank you, my friend. Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you heard? 
The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We're back here with two excellent guests, Mark Turok and Adrian Tumayan of American Parkour. It's part of our fitness continuum today that we're discussing this. We also have with us Kirk Bauer of Disabled Sports USA. So welcome to Mark and Adrian. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Jason, I know you would like to talk about American Parkour. <laughs> yes. Hey, brother, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for having us on. We're really honored to be part of this. Oh, we're glad that you and Adrian can make it. Um, so let's just start off for, for our listeners, right? What the heck is parkour? <laughs> I oh, thought so- Jason was saying hardcore for about two weeks. <laughs> hardcore parkour. So uh, if you've seen a YouTube video, then you're probably even more confused because there's YouTube videos of people like jumping between roofs and doing flips. And it may look really cool, but it doesn't really tell. It's like, well, how that's what someone wants me to take a class in that? Do they like take me up on a roof and push me or something? So parkour, it very simply is a training method for your body and mind using getting over physical obstacles as the training medium. So you learn to jump onto a small thing and then jump onto a bigger thing. And you learn to climb a wall and then climb a bigger wall. And it's just through that physicality that you face these challenges, both mentally and physically, and through that you grow. That makes, that sense. makes so, much more sense than the YouTube. I did watch the YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so let's talk a little bit about how parkour came into the United States and sort of that process and, and where the academy is in that, because I, I think you and Adrian have been spearheading um, the development of the academy and you're really sort of on this effort to um, communicate with the communities about and educate them about what parkour means. And so how does the academy fit into the role of parkour community across the United States? Cool. So I'll start with just uh, how it started. It was really uh, David Bell, the founder of parkour, had once said that he wants to make a Shaolin temple for parkour. And I, I was so inspired by him that I went ahead and tried to do that. So um you know, so we had the, the first parkour academy in the world, which was really, there were some unique challenges because even today people don't know what parkour is. Imagine, you know, six, seven years ago when we opened up and nobody came in <laughs> for the first, you know, couple months. We were like, okay, we have a parkour gym. There's nobody that knows what that even is. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it took a while and then Casino Royale came out and some other things happened that people at least started to hear about a little bit. 
and and so it started to get rolling um but as far as how it how it fits in the community like um I think I'll hand that off to Adrian to talk a bit about the difference between like training in a gym versus just going out to run around and try and copy a YouTube video. Sure. Yeah. So I think the really great thing about the Academy is it, it provides that safe and supportive environment for somebody to learn parkour. Um, I mean, as Mark mentioned, it's really easy. You, of course, anyone can go outside and play and that's great, but the Academy really provides, um, you know, we have instructors and coaches who really have put a lot of time and energy into creating a proper curriculum for people to be able to learn these movements. And they really break down the movements into simple progressions and, and help make parkour a lot more approachable for people. Um, and I think another great part of that is that the trainers also help people set goals for themselves um and and really you know it's like having a personal trainer they really help them um always continue improving challenging themselves and set great goals for themselves so what would you say to somebody who said that they thought parkour was a little like crossfit or a little bit beyond crossfit how would you compare the two so um do we do we have a minute for me to go on kind of a a little yes yes the show is yours so excuse me sorry uh we had a a huge event this weekend so i've completely lost my voice and i apologize uh so what what i'd love to do is remind us of greg glassman's uh crossfit in 100 words or less that he wrote uh it's got to be 12 years ago now and that is uh eat meat and vegetables nuts and seeds some fruit little starch and no sugar Keep intake levels to that will, or sorry, keep intake to levels that will support exercise, but not body fat. Practice and train major lifts, deadlift, clean, squat, presses, clean and jerk, and snatch. Similarly, master the basics of gymnastics: pull-ups, dips, rope climb, push-ups, sit-ups, presses to handstand, pirouettes, flips, splits, and holds. Bike, run, swim, row, etc. Hard and fast. Five or six days per week, mix these elements in as many combinations and patterns as creativity will allow. Routine is the enemy. Keep workouts short and intense. Regularly learn and play new sports. Greg Glassman. So in there, we've got such an incredible wealth of what CrossFit was originally designed to be. Gymnastic movements, flips. When when is the last time CrossFitters in in the audience raise your hand if you just did a flip in your CrossFit gym this week, you know, I, th- I think that part's really been left out. And, and a gym normally doesn't teach you to learn and play new sports regularly. Most people aren't swimming and biking and rowing on an actual boat regularly. So CrossFit, as it was designed, is this really diverse, amazing thing that tells you to go out into the world and explore and play new things. However, as a gym practice, that's pretty difficult to do. Right. So I think that that's somewhere that parkour kind of takes over, you know, parkour. We do actually uh, go outside. We teach some of our classes outside when the weather is nice. We take people around and and you're learning parkour movements on a wall that's maybe even next to your house because you live near the gym and you're you're seeing all these different training places and opportunities to learn. And it's sort of a, a guided tour of the area around you and how you can apply what you've learned in parkour to that. Uh, the, the one other thing I'll say about uh, CrossFit compared to parkour, a lot of people focus very much on the strength element of CrossFit. And I think that 
that strength is uh, relatively easy to build. If you lift heavy things with correct form, you will get stronger. So that, that's kind of an easy one to build. What's really difficult is proper mobility and the ability to move your body through space. So um, what happens in, in, I mean, weightlifting is the only sport I know where you don't move your feet. So, you know, most sport athleticism is designed to for a person to move through space. You have to move your body. When you're playing tennis, you're moving around. When you're boxing, basketball, uh, soccer, hockey, any of these things, you're actually moving. And then in the gym, you're not. So that's where parkour kind of takes over that whole movement aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting, right? So when I first met you, Mark, I was like, what the heck is parkour? We're going to be jumping over logs and buildings and walls. And, I, you know, it was really hard to comprehend. And as I learned through talking to you and seeing sort of some of the movements, it was very clear that there was a very similar path with parkour and some of the movements and exercises that the military is actually trained on. Um, you know, I remember going in as a, as a Marine and having to learn the Marine Corps obstacle course. Um, it's not that far different than what you've sort of established in your gyms, right? And I think that's very important. Um, and as I started to learn more about it, it was very easy for me to find myself um, associating with, with military ways in the parkour environment, which I think was very interesting and certainly um, not known to me at that time. I, I want to talk a little bit about how you bring folks through because, you know, I think for some folks, the idea of, um, you know, jumping over a, a wall or um, excelling might be okay for a veteran because they've sort of done that and they, they get that part. Um, but maybe there was a veteran that hasn't really done that or there was a community member that hasn't really done that. So how do you actually um, bring these folks on at an entry level and bring them through the program? Sure. I'm going to um, pass that off to Adrienne because I, I think that, um, you know, when, you, when you've got a veteran who hasn't done that, I agree with you. It's very similar. And actually, parkour, parkour in French means of the course. It came from obstacle course exercises. So you're 100% dead on there. And for people who haven't done that kind of training, I, I think it's important that, that you take a step back and say, wait a minute, these are not things that I'm not capable of. These are all things that I am capable of and have actually done at some point in my life. Uh, and with that, I'll, I'll kick it to Adrienne to, to talk about that a bit. Yeah, so I think one thing that's really great about the parkour community is um, we're really good about bringing new people in. I think everybody feels um, maybe even, I don't want to use the word responsibility, but when people, when new people come in, um, people are very excited to sort of help them learn the ropes and get them started. Um, and so like, for example, at the event this weekend, um, we had, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to, sorry, we're trying to get back to another point about, uh, you know, that these are movements that we did as a kid, you know, yeah, this exactly. is stuff that most people have already done. And we stopped doing at some point, right? right. So yeah. it's not it, that I never climbed on a wall or climbed a tree. It's that I didn't do it for the last 30 years. So I have to pull the kid in that person out and, and show them that they can do these things. Um, if I if I can interject here, uh, Mark, this is Kirk Bauer. One of the thing, one of the one of the values of, of something like the park course, where you're actually teaching people movement in the physical environment. Uh, you know, we deal a lot with guys who have severe injuries. You know, double amputees, single amputees, people with traumatic brain injury. They have to relearn 
uh, mm-hmm. their balance, their movement uh, in, in physical space. And uh, getting out, and, you know, we teach them skiing and biking, what have you. This is all part, the same thing as parkour. You know, it's out doing things in the physical environment. They have to relearn all that. And I think that's the, the beauty about uh, something like parkour. Uh, the other is, I think, something that we're, we're sort of skipping over, and that is that the beauty about programs like Warfighter Sports or parkour is you have experienced people who are taking you through this step by step, mm-hmm. uh, starting with small steps and then you know going to the bigger steps. So you're not injuring yourself. You're not you know if you do something and you and you and you go beyond your capability right away. If you you, you know you're going to fail, you're going to get discouraged. But if you go through a, a structured course like warfighter sports or park course, you're going to learn successes one step at a time, and that will increase your confidence and help you build to the next step. So I think that's one of the really strengths about something like park course, physical environment learning to move in it and doing its one small step at its time so you learn successfully uh yeah you're absolutely dead on there one of the cool things we had an opportunity to work with some wounded warriors and in teaching them parkour it it doesn't matter what your current set of abilities are we're going to take that set of abilities and apply them to what we have and and guide people through that and of course the the military people especially the the warriors they are warriors and heroes. They are great at adapting to situations and pushing through things like that. Fantastic. I want to thank all of our guests today. You can find our broadcast at militarynetworkradio.com or 24-7 in iTunes podcasts under Military Network Radio. Today we have been honored to have on Kirk Bauer of Disabled Sports USA, Danny Farrer of Soldier Fit, Adrian Tremayan, and Mike Turok of Uh, American Parkour, pardon me. And we are so glad to have you with us. Join us live each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern for shows reflecting all matters of interest to the entire military community and those who care about them. forward slash military network radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance 